every freaking second of the day, I'm going to do it. Everybody wants to be mother freaking wealthy. Are you willing to adapt? Are you willing to change? How uncomfortable are you willing to get? How willing are you going to be to allow me to help you? This is a marathon, not a sprint. You give up your right to be average and ordinary. You gotta show up earlier, you gotta be here later, you gotta hit harder, be more productive, be more focused. If you don't see it that way, you will fail at it. You guys have been the pillar and the backbone of Planet First Life now for quite some time. Keep growing. Good morning, everybody. Andrew Taylor here. We got Sean Mike with us. Sean, thanks for coming in Thank today. Thank you, brother. All right, so we are, we're going to get straight to it because I know you are flying out in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first question is, what do you do when you lose momentum in business? Gain that mother fricker back, right? Like for me, I always saw it as an opportunity, right? Honestly, like we've had that happen, right? I never, the minute I saw something that was that was slowing down, uh, really not big and going backwards. I haven't gone back, but I've definitely slowed down at times in business where we've kind of been a stalemate. But that's always an opportunity, right? Like no different than a market, right? Like right now, there will be a market for the next God knows how many months or years for you to buy stuff cheap, whether that's whatever business you're in. And that's true, right? So at the end of the day, Andrew, for me, I number one, assess. So I take a step back and go, okay, what are we doing today that we weren't doing before or what were we doing before that we're not doing today, right? And I really try to make a list of the things. So I go like, okay, we got away from this, we got away from this, we got away from that. And a lot of times I go back to the time we had the most momentum. And I go, okay, all right, this was whatever year. So you look at your year and you go, man, we grew the most this year. What were three or four things? I might ask some people, like I'm talking to Mike Size or corporate staff, I might ask you, Drew, what were you doing in you know, 18? You go, doing this. Okay, dude, what did we do? What were you doing in 19? And then I try to figure out, because a lot of times what happens in business is the things you're doing to be successful. You get successful, and then you change. You're like, dude, I, I know it might not be the most glorious thing, so you want to have a new idea all the time, but if what you're doing is working, just keep freaking doing it. Like, why do we have to change all the, I, I'm all about changing if you're not growing. And then I kind of, I'll make a list of the things that I need to change back to or need to change in general. And then I get excited. Because now it's time to roll, right? It's like it's it's a it's time to like anything else I've done. It, it became a a time to roll, and and then I figure out what I learned too. So it's all learning experience. What don't kill you makes you stronger. I do believe that, but I get excited and I realize that I'm going to work harder. So I realize that I'm going to put in more work than I was putting in. No doubt about it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And what's funny is like every three or four weeks when I would be selling, I would go on like a streak of no sales Mm -hmm. and I sold myself on increasing activity until I got a lay down Mm -hmm. that would reset everything for me because they're there but I had to speed up to go through more people get Mm -hmm. more no's get Mm -hmm. the lay down and then I was fine Mm -hmm. yeah Um, okay so uh, in other words when you're losing momentum speed up when you double down 
double down. Yeah, you know, that's kind of my deal. It's like you you know it's going where it's going. The one thing you like you just said you can control is your your activity. I mean, still I don't care how long we do the business, attitude and activity. Yeah. You can't control anything else, but you can control those two things. So if you get really good at those two things, and also what I typically see is small things. You know, I heard a guy say one day, he said, I'm 100% effective at all the small things. You know, getting up early, making these phone calls here, all the things that he can control. And I, and I never forgot that. You know, I coached basketball for years, and I spent a lot of time coaching. I mean, it's middle school, right? Them in the paint, layups defense and we beat it to death because if we could take more shots in the paint than they did, we'd win because as much as we were, well, we had some good shooters, which we did. And then I was like, I was a numbers guy. You know, if you couldn't, if you didn't shoot well time, I'd be like, I might go like, you know, my son could shoot from like anywhere. So I'd be like, you can shoot behind three point line. Maybe you can too. Nobody else allowed to because the numbers. So putting yourself in a position to win. So if you go, Man, when I do these three things in the field, it doesn't work. Okay, well, what does work? These things do. Okay, so why don't you start doing that? Mm-hmm. Like that was my deal is, is if I could get great at all the small things, anytime the momentum slowed down, I picked all the small things that I knew I could control, and I was overly con- con- like obsessed with controlling those because whoever, you know, this guy said in a meeting 10 years ago, whoever can be 100% effective at the small things he or she can control is going to win. And I like that, dude. Yeah, I like that. Okay. What advice would you give me to become a better speaker? You personally or everybody? This is a qu- an anonymous okay. question. Um, you know, first of all, you have to watch the people and see if you're engaged. The first thing you have to do when you're speaking, and what I think about a lot is, who am I actually speaking to? Most people don't do that. Like, who is my audience? You go, what's the meeting? I got that part, dude, but who's my audience? And then if you notice sometimes if I don't know, I'm like, how many of you been here for night? Like, I don't know who's there. So I want to know who my audience is because, number one, I want to engage with them, whether it's two people or 20,000. I want to connect with them. I want to figure out who I'm actually talking to and then have a game plan for that group. So for you, you have to know, right? If you get a meeting of 40 people and 39 of them have just gotten started, you're talking about getting a board member. They're like, dude, what are you talking about? If you're in a meeting with people that have been here for a year plus that are all issuing 200 grand a month and they've all done 30K a month and you're talking about how to get to 20K a month, like you lose them, right? So you have to know your message and who your audience is. Um, You also have to understand that, and most people don't, you can't focus on what you think they're, once you identify your audience and you come up with your message, it's a wrap. Meaning you can't look at individual people and worry about, I used to literally do meetings, 8, 10, 12, 15 people, 30 people, 100 people. And if you were in the third row on your phone, I'd be like, hey, man, am I bothering you? Like, I mean, it's really stupid. Like, you'd be texting. And you'd be like, oh, I'd be like, no, I didn't mean to bother you. I mean, you can see me. I can see. Like, like I was so just, I wasn't mature enough, like, as a speaker. Like, so what? You're on your phone. What does it matter? You're not on the phone talking to somebody during a meeting. Like, you're texting. So what? You can't focus on what, you just have to worry about your message, delivering it. Regardless if they're if they're sleeping, if they're excited, if they're bouncing off the walls, if they get up and walk out during the meeting because they, they can't wait to go to the bathroom, you have to, to kind of tune everything else out. So once you know who you're talking to, what message you want it to be, and again, you can ask people. If it's one of the first few times you've spoken, ask people, hey, man, if somebody asks you to speak at an event, one of the best answers is, I'd love to, what would you like me to hit on? 
Who am I? T- I just did that with Trey the other day. Who's going to be there? Can you explain to me how you got yeah. this group of 40? Got it. He tells me, like, okay, well, can you send me a list so I know he's like, okay, and also if they issue 30, because that's important, because I thought it was just VPs. Now he's like, no, no, also if they issue 30. Okay, cool. So I'm like, how many qualified as 30 and VP or just like, so I get an idea of who's there. So my message, and then once I come up with what I want to talk about, yeah, I'll probably talk about something different when I see somebody engage with somebody there, but I can't worry about the person in the fourth row if they're like half paying attention and talking to each other. So I think for you, come up with your message and deliver it with passion, but passion in the way you do it. Don't try to be anybody but you. And also I think sharing something with the group that they don't know about you already. I try to do that a lot. I've been doing this nine years. That felt hard to do now, but like share with them something about your history, how you grew up, trials and tribulations, stuff you've been like, share it with them. I think it'll change your life. Yeah, that's huge. Okay. Next question. Uh, What is it like living your lifestyle I noticed on Instagram that you have a jet, and I've also seen that you have a yacht. I know you've worked really hard, but you don't sh- often share about your personal life. What is it like? Um, well, I don't own either. I mean, I do. The, the plane I, I bought, the boat I kind of bought, but it's kind of being financed, kind of a negotiation I had with the company, so that worked out really well. I get to use it a lot. So I bought it with their money, so it's kind of been a cool deal. Um, that's part of what I negotiate with a lot of stuff I've been doing. Um, you know, the plane was just for convenience. I mean, straight up, I mean, you know, straight convenience, well, straight convenience. And I lost my TSA pre-check for forgetting I had a loaded gun in my bag. So that, that helped prep guys. What are you gonna do now? When the guy posted something, I said, buy a jet. (laughs) I had to go through TSA pre-check full. And, um, but it, uh, you know, Andrew, I wanted the convenience. I don't want to live my life doing five meetings a week and being gone seven days. I really did. Which you were doing. I was doing that for years. For years. I just got an airplane and was gone for six, seven days. And I did not want to do that anymore. I was, and I was not going to do that anymore. I wasn't. Um, it condensed time frames for me. It allowed me to do seven meetings in three days. Right? Um, so that was a convenient thing, to be honest with you. It's not a... You know, it, it ain't one that, you know, it ain't a Gulf Stream. You ain't going to put 15 people on it. You ain't hosting a party. Um, you know, we ain't got alcohol on it. We don't party. It, it's a it's a, it's a, a work vessel, and it's great, and it's good for that. Um, it's awesome. Um, the, the reason I, again, first of all, I don't, stuff doesn't matter to me. It, it doesn't. If the well, company tomorrow. You just tomorrow, bought an old Hummer. Yeah, I love old Hummers, dude. An old H2 Hummer. It didn't cost me nothing, but I love it. I like driving and over what stuff. Year is it? 14 2014 like I, oh, I love those yeah man they're great dude you know but is that your preferred choice of a car dude i love the hummer i just I, you know and you know what it was when i was young my when i was 18 my buddy kyle who was also 18 had an h2 hummer you know about a long time ago this they were newer and it was like the coolest thing ever and he was an independent contractor entrepreneur ran his own business drove around in shorts and t-shirt you know he's great Big Sean, you want to meet for lunch? That's how he talks. Hey, Big Sean. He's great. He's like the coolest guy's ever meet in your life. And I'm like, dude, I have a job. Like, like, how do you just go to like, he's like, we're going here today. We're going here. We're going to the game at three. I'm like, dude, I don't get out till six. Like, and I realized he had freedom and it wasn't, he wasn't driving Rolls Royces. He just had freedom. He had a cool car. He was in shorts and t-shirts and I wanted that, you know? So, um, the stuff don't make anything for me. It doesn't matter. 
Um, it really doesn't. Um, I'm more excited about what my kids can do and be able to pay for that. That's been awesome. Um, you know, and I, and I live the best I can, but I never liked anybody that was like, look at this, how awesome it is. Yeah, we'll put more, you know, people over the course of time are like, hey, dude, it's okay to do videos using this and videos using that. And, and I'm, I'm, a fan, I'm okay with it because what I realized is I want people to understand that I went to Eastern Connecticut State University. I paid for my college. My degree's in social work. I, I, I didn't come from any money. I worked really, really, really hard. And if that allows somebody because they're more focused on if they think success, and I'm hoping I'll change their mind once they start, but if they think success is possessions and I'm never going to do what other people, I, I just can't. I can't go around and go, look at it. I just can't do that like a lot of them would do. But if it allows them to listen to the content I put out and it's free and I genuinely believe it will help them and that helps them, then I'm willing to get uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable though. Like I don't like, like, you know, I've worked really hard for everything I've had and it's taken a long time. I mean, you understand, you know, we were five years into the company I was 44 years old, dude. And I had no money, none, like none. So I always laugh when somebody's like, man, I bet it's, I, I'm just not getting ahead. I'm like, dude, you're 19. I didn't make money until I was 44. Like, I, you know, yeah, I, now I I've made money before that, but like, we're only doing some crazy number and I'm really upset. And I'm like, dude, that took me like eight years. Yeah, like I'm ma I'm happy you're upset because you want to do better for you and the people you serve, I hope. But you need to have some perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that for me, those are just can. And again, the reality really is that you'll get to a point where you kind of figure out, see, I want to pick up and go to my, my, my daughter's dance, the games and watch her. I want to watch my boy play baseball. Like, you know what I mean? I want to see people win. Um, you know, I, I want to, when when things happen, I need to be there for anybody. I, I like to have access, like, to travel and be there quicker, right? That is that is important to me. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and I think that when you see that, like, everything, uh, when you realize you're just battling condensing time frames. So, now, it, if somebody it, were to <laughs> go with you, They'd be mm -hmm. pretty impressed at how efficient you oh, are. Oh, it's an efficient machine. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you know, I'll I'll text you five o'clock in the morning back in the day, like, let's go. And and, and I think that's the and other there, thing. But you I mean, you have everything planned. For 100%, food, when you're gonna eat, 100%, what you're gonna eat. 100%. It's like Because I, I can't I can't I can't think about those things during the day. I got no time to do that. And I wanna make the most of my time so I can actually live a life. That's the other thing I've been trying to do. It's like I wanna make the most of my time so I can actually live a life. Like I can't, you know, if you get to the point where you have to be on your phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's not something I'd brag about. That's something you're doing wrong in your business. You should be empowering other people to help run the business. You mm -hmm. shouldn't but have you did to that be forever. the one. I did it forever. But I'm not. Like, I'm like, dude, I've worked really hard. I got people where we need to be. Here's what I'm done at night, morning. Like, I'm good. But I worked. But I did. I did that for a better part of 14 years. And I mean, yeah. addicted to it. I'm not doing it. I just, like, I, I can't. You get to the point where it's like, we had no choice. I remember I used to be on the phone coaching my kids' basketball games because the attorneys would call me about like court hearings and I'd be on the phone coaching. Like I was there. Was I present? Yeah, I was present on some, but I was still on the phone, dude. Like now are you working game. on being really present with your kids? Mm -hmm. I was, I've always tried to do that. I get better at it over the course of time. Be but present. you've always done that. Yeah. But I've, and I've failed at it at times. And I've also tried to empower them to tell me, you know, like, now, I feel like Savannah will definitely oh, tell you. Oh, there ain't no doubt about it. T will too. I, I've, I've been to a point where I want them to say, hey, man, 
if there's something they feel, need, require, and then I've gotten, I work on my reaction. Because even if I don't believe, or I'm like, man, but it could be, you know, I do the whole perspective. Well, it could be worse. That's the thing you're bitching about. You know, that's important to me at that moment in time. And whether they're, you know, five, six, eight, 10, 12, 17, it doesn't matter. They still want, I mean, what I, you know, it's funny when I coached, I would take a step back and, and I think it's when it really hit me was coaching middle school basketball. And I was, and I just didn't expect this. I, I was at the first, I coached the first game and the team hadn't like, they just didn't win a lot of games. And now granted we had a pretty good team. Don't get me wrong. But we were, I mean, God, in three years, we were probably 98 and seven, you know? And, um, but I looked in the stands and there were like two sets of parents out of, you know, JV and varsity out of 22 kids. And I watched those two kids always look for their mom and dad on some level, some more than others, but they'd peek out. And then I realized, man, the other parents, and it wasn't like they were out like smoking crack. They had jobs because middle school, you play at like three, you know, it's not high school. You don't play at seven o'clock at night where you're like, if you don't work second shift, you can go to the games. And I was like, damn, I never realized that. Like I, I just really hit me that I had to work harder to be there for the kids because on those tough times, when they had a tough game and they they'd like they'd tear up and cry that I had to be the one to put my arm around and be like, bro, I love you. You're going to be all right. It's all good. Like, dude, you gave it hell. It's all good. I screwed up tons of things during the game. Like it's all good, you know? And I remember my, we had played and, um, the whole year they had never really won. And we were like, we did really well, but there was one team that they stomped us by 40, they had a really good team. And we had some good players. We didn't have a bunch of like high school division one basketball players. And we played him again. I'll make the story quick. We played him again. And my my assistant coach, who was just a good dude, knew nothing about basketball, was a good old like football country boy. And he was like, What are we gonna do? And he never asked me about strategy. He's like, Are we gonna change something? I said, We're changing nothing. He said, If we press them the way we did last time, they're gonna beat us by forty. So they might beat us by fifty. And he said, We're gonna change so we're changing nothing. So why? I said, because they're going to stomp us, okay? We're going to hate it. We're going to win. We're going to be the number two seed. We're going to play them in the finals. And we're not going to do this again. We're, but we're not going to let them get prepared. So we do we, I mean, 52 points they beat us by. And you understand, people are going like, you need to change your team. You need to do this. Now, they are much better than us anyway. They should beat us 99 out of 100 times. We played them in the finals. School busting all the students. It was actually really cool. It was a huge audience. And we went out and played a 2-3 zone slowed the game down, begged them to shoot, talked a bunch of crap. I was like, tell them to shoot. Tell them, beg them to shoot. And we were up six at halftime, which is still a gift. And we're in the locker room. And one of the kids said something. I got really fired up, wasn't mad. And I went to like make a point, but I headbutted this like toilet paper dispenser and it came off the wall and busted my forehead open. Okay. And like a year later, my son's like, why did you do that? I go, I'll be really honest with you. Straight up, he's like, I said, I don't know what else to do. Like, we were playing well. I don't have a lot of basketball knowledge. I gave you everything I had. I, I was just excited for you guys because they didn't believe in us. Oh, that's what it was. They put us in the girls' locker room at halftime just to do, like, there was plenty of room in there. There was two men, but they made us go to the girls' locker room just to, to make a point. So I was mad just, like, because the guys, I couldn't use the bat. You know, it was people. You know, it was really. And uh, anyway, we, had a, we went overtime, and one of our guys fouled out. And... Uh, it's funny because I'll never forget my kid was in sixth grade 
it was an eighth grader, and my son probably should have started. Like, yeah, I just, but I was using my son, so it's harder. And I let this other kid in anyway. We ended up losing by four. But, uh, you know, the thing for me, Drew, was at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just have to do something different, and sometimes you have to be present, and sometimes you have to be, it's kind of like a shock and awe, and people have to know that, you know, I just want them to, and the reality is I just want those kids to know I loved them that much. Yeah, I loved them. And, dude, I cried with them. After I did, they, we, it was a close game. We had a ball rim out with a one in regulation. And these kids were like, I mean, these are tough, tough kids. Just holding on to each other, holding on to me crying. And I was like, dude, it was one of the most amazing moments in my life in a defeat. Like, forget about the defeat. It was one of the most amazing moments in my life. Having my son there was huge. My daughter in the audience screaming and yelling at everybody with her little sign. Dude, it was just, it was powerful. That's cool, man. Yeah, I just, I wanted to share it. So that's, when you talk about personal life, that's the stuff I want to share. Possessions, that don't mean shit. They never have. They never have and they never will. But moments like that, they're worth boats and crap. They could take the boat back tomorrow and start using it again. Cool. You know, I ain't flying to 100 means a, a, a year. And if I can't go private, I just can't get there. I'm, it'll eat too much of my time up. If they take that away, fine. But they can't take away those memories I create and that time of being present with the people I care about. Yeah. Can't take them away. Those are the personal things I want people to know. That's huge, man. All right. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Uh, if you have not registered, FFLConvention.com. We're looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, and please register so we make sure so we can get a head count of how many people are going. And you want to give the lineup again one more time? Yeah. Before you do that, we're going to start every week, though, randomly picking somebody who registers that week and giving them $1,000 in leads. Nice. So randomly, like we know, we could, we like if you stop today, we're going Saturday to Saturday. So if you if you haven't registered yet, as of right now, and you register this week, thousand dollars randomly to somebody every week that registers within that week, Th- thousand bucks. Um, Jocko Willing, Alex Rodriguez, um, Damon John, um, Venus, the pilot, fly girl, they call her Dave Anderson, Pastor Matthew. I mean, and and then all yeah, and then all these other people that work here that freaking kill it. So I think that the lineup is stupid strong. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you there, and we'll see you next week, Saturday, eight a.m. at Sean Mike on Instagram. See you guys. Thanks, guys.